everyone, and welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast, episode four, with Katrina Horry. Um, I'll get to intro and Katrina in a sec, but first of all, I just wanted to say a couple of quick things. One is, if you're enjoying this podcast, um, or you've enjoyed any of the previous episodes, I hear it's really helpful for other people to find the podcast if you rate it, or follow it, or review it on whatever, or subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Uh, Of course, also, if there's someone you know who you think would be really interested in this podcast, the the things that I and the guests speak about, then please do send it on to them. There's no massive marketing budget or Google AdWords going on behind the coach's journey. Um, It's all about trying to create something that's really useful to people so that it's so useful that they they share it. Um, The second thing just to say is... Um, The Coach's Journey name originally came when I wanted to create a group program to support other coaches growing their business and growing their impact with clients. And um, I run that once a year. I've run it twice already. And the third intake will start in the new year in in early 2020, kind of first quarter. Um, It starts with a chance for people to come join me for a a group coaching experience for free as a gift from me as a way to find out what working with me is like. Uh, My intention for those calls is always that people can have as much insight to take away from them, uh, that that would pay for the fee for the program altogether. Um, You can read loads more about the program on the on the Coaches Journey website, um, it's there, yeah, to help coaches grow their business um, and increase their impact. And it was a real pleasure creating the website, um, the new page on the new Coaches Journey website for the program because I got to reread some of the lovely testimonials that former members of the group have uh, have shared. So do check that out if that's something of interest. Um, enough housekeeping though. Uh, looking forward to introducing you so much to Katrina Horry in this episode. Uh, Katrina or Kat is an executive coach. She lives in London. We actually live really nearby, kind of by complete coincidence, um, in southwest London. She's also a lead trainer, a supervisor and assessor for the Mo Foundation, which is a really interesting organization. Check them out. They run a great, I think, five-day coaching course. In the first decade of her career, uh, she spent time really transforming the performance of nonprofits, of social enterprises, working with leaders in education and social innovation. And a real turning point in her career was in 2013, when first a bereavement and then a collapsed lung made her really look at life differently. Uh, And this is an amazing story she tells about how she woke up uh, in one moment as part of that. And and the sentence, I'm too far away from the joy, was in her mind. Now that set her off into the journey into coaching. And she now does amazing work still with leaders in social innovation, with high potential professionals and with women who want to redefine their priorities just like she did uh, after that experience in 2013. We touch on loads of awesome stuff in this episode. I think it's probably the one packed the most so far with all the things that coaches wonder about and ask questions about over the course of their of their work. In particular, Katrina talks really beautifully about how becoming a mother has been fundamental to the way she developed her business and how in some ways structuring her business around her children is what led to her having her most successful year as a coach yet. Um there's some great stuff about marketing and why you should choose a strategy that works for you and the distinctions that made a difference for her. There's some stuff about generating clients. She talks about purpose beautifully. Um, 
Uh, and loads of other things, niching, money, all that stuff. And make sure to listen to the end because she hits... She, uh, right at the end, I'm about to wrap the call up and she's like, wait, I've got five tips for coaches. And then we, we get into a great discussion about them. So make sure to stay for that bit. Um, I've took quite a long time, but I'm just so excited to get into introduce you to Katrina. Um, she's a wonderful person who, who had a great impact on my career from a good conversation really early on. Um, but also over the course of this conversation, you know, I, I said this to her in a message afterwards, but... I've always thought since I met her that Katrina was a, a wonderful woman and, a, and almost certainly a great coach, but there's something about getting to spend the time with her in this way, hearing her talk about her work right now, I was just blown away. Um, so I really hope that you get as much from this conversation as I think you might, and I, yeah, I'd love to hear what you think of it. Have a wonderful, wonderful day uh, and a lovely Christmas. Katrina. Welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. Thank you, Robbie. Nice to be here. <laughs> yeah, we, we were just talking off air a little bit um, before we switched on the recording about, uh, uh, like, I feel really grateful that you're doing this with me. Um, two reasons, actually. One is that uh, in some ways that we had, a com- we had a conversation about three years ago when we first yeah. met. And in some ways, that conversation and the other ones that went with it are the reason that I am making these podcast episodes now because they no. were so useful for me. And I thought okay, well, how amazing if we, um, you know, if I can share that a bit more widely and also get to have some fun conversations. And also because I know that you said that, um, you know, you feel like you're just getting the call a little bit to be a little bit more visible or a little bit more seen. And I'm grateful for trusting me and whoever knows what happened in this conversation um, with with some of that. And uh, also excited, I'm excited, you, you know, you're saying like, message from the universe. So I'm always excited to be used by the universe. For Awesome. Well, thank you for for having me here. And uh, yeah, I've just been noticing I have been having opportunities come my way, I guess, recently. Um, I'm currently on maternity leave. So it kind of, I guess, when they come, they kind of, it feels even more heightened than just the average workday. But yeah, I know I'm feeling that I need to become a little bit, get a little bit more out there. Um, And so it's really nice to do this with you because I, you know, know you well and, um, yeah, I remember well that first conversation that we had. Yeah, it was funny. We met in the centre of London somewhere and then realised yeah. we live about, well, at yeah. the time we lived even closer. I've moved like a further yeah. 150 metres away. But we were living like 400 <laughs> metres from each other or something, weren't we? And we travelled exactly. all the way to Oxford Circus to uh, to say hi. Um, Katrina, like maybe, I mean, it'd be interesting maybe later on yeah. to get back into that, you know, why mm. that is calling you right now and what you think mm. that might be about. But sure. first, I'm just curious to get, to do a bit of a rewind. And yeah. I'm wondering... When did you first come across this thing, coaching? This thing, coaching? That okay. we do, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. I guess, um, you know, I'd always been, in, I, I guess, looking back, actually, when I first thought about it, I thought it was when I was 27. And then actually I realised it was actually when I was 19. Huh. Um, I, um, so I went to, to Oxford University and they had a peer support programme for students you could kind of get trained up in some of the arts of I guess like some counseling skills perhaps more than coaching skills and so I did that then and so there's something you know that even then at 19 was calling me but you know I then let that go and I guess the, the next main time it came up was um, when I was 27 um, I was working at a charity called the Future Leaders Trust which develops um, future head teachers for challenging urban schools and uh, my role there was to create this department um, to kind of, 
that covered the whole of leadership development apart from the training side of things. So that was everything from performance management, events, um, through to what was called coaching. And the coaches um, were called leadership development advisors, and they were current or um, former head teachers. And yeah, so I was kind of in charge of, you know, with obviously expert help, um, helping to train, recruit, um, develop these people. Um, in retrospect, I think it was perhaps more in the end of mentoring that was going on rather than pure coaching. Um, but that was my first insight there. And then at the same time, towards the end of my time there, um, I requested a coach myself because I knew there were some extra hours that could be used. Um, and I had um, some time with this amazing lady called Andrea Barkley, who, you know, I, I use it partly to develop myself in the role, but also um, by the that stage and, and my work knew this I was planning to move to New York and uh, I used part of the coaching to help just build my confidence to even think about applying for jobs over there so yeah I just I just remember these kind of very intimate conversations um, you know thinking about what was holding me back what would be helping to draw me there um, and yeah it got me into a place where I got a fabulous job you know in, in New York so that was my first proper experience mm. But it, it sounds like at that point, it did, mm. you know, it wasn't. Oh, I must do this now. No, right? no, kind of, no. So, but the, and did you do it? You did you use those counselling skills when you were at university, or were they just like a training thing that you did and it never quite? It was a training thing. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so no, it was a training thing we did, and we did it for a long time. I can't remember. It felt like twelve weeks or something, which in student terms is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then no one ever used us, <laughs> um, and I think. Perhaps looking back on it is because, you know, for some of the things that people might have wanted to talk about, you maybe needed to go directly to a counsellor, actually. Um, or maybe it just wasn't advertised well enough, you know, and just mm. perhaps also it was 20 years ago as well. Maybe it just wasn't in our, wasn't so acceptable as well yeah. you know, to do that. Yeah. And so then you had that coaching and mm. when it was a little bit later, presumably, when did you start to think, did you have more coaching or when did you start to yeah. think, oh, this might be a thing for me, actually. Yeah, so I guess, well, in my mind, because I've been working with these head teachers, and I was 27 through 29 at the time, um, in my head, I thought to be a coach, you need to be in your 50s or 60s, you know, plus. Um, so being in my 20s, I just didn't think that's, you know, just it doesn't even occur to me, quite frankly. Yeah. And what do you think about um, that now? I think it's in general rubbish <laughs> no. <laughs> but I do think of course there are there are situations where people will be looking for coaches of a certain age if they you know just in terms of they'll feel more comfortable with that um also with some engagements I think people want a sense of experience and perhaps the kind of that balance between coach and mentor um so I, I you know I don't think it's a hundred percent true but I think I do think that anyone can learn coaching skills I really do believe that. And I think, and I, I'll tell you about that in a bit, actually. Um, yeah, for one such example. Um, so going back to your question then of, yeah, when did I kind of come across coaching again? So um, I then moved to New York and I was there for just over two and a half years. And I was working as a fundraising consultant. Um, and... I'd say the last six months there were quite challenging because my father died. Um, and I was luckily there for his passing. Um, and 
uh, for the few weeks afterwards. But for those final six months, I did struggle quite a bit. So I found it quite hard being back in New York. Um, so decided to move home uh, in part to help my mum out, but also to just give myself some time to grieve. Um, and I kind of came back very circuitously because my lung collapsed. And was that, I, that, it's never happened to me, but it sounds scary. Well, it didn't, it's funny, I, from what I've read since, they sound like they normally happen quite quickly, but mine must have been a really slow puncture. Because <laughs> um, it happened at 11 in the morning. I was noticing I was getting slower, but it wasn't hurting. Um, and then it was just in the evening, my heart started racing, and then a friend told me to go to hospital, and so I did. And, you know, it emerged that I'd had this lung collapse, so my left lung was 20% of its normal size. Um, and I guess I bring it up because I do think it was quite a turning point in terms of my career and my way of thinking. Um, so a few things. One was, um, and without being too graphic for anyone listening. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, this, is, this, this is a graphic show. You can, we can, we yeah. can put a, a warning, medical <laughs> yeah, details about to be revealed. <laughs> exactly. So um, essentially they kind of stick this tube between your ribs um, with local anesthetic but it's kind of like it's quite a violent thing and I didn't know it was about to happen and I, I fainted from the pain and I woke up and I kept on repeating the phrase I'm too far away from the joy I'm too far away from the joy and kind of, kind of through the pain yeah <sighs> yeah like just when I woke up that's what all I was saying was I'm too far away from the joy um you know you can interpret that lots of different ways um I interpreted it um, I, I mean, I don't know, it'd be interesting for me to reflect again now, but hmm. uh, for a long time, I've interpreted that from a career perspective. So I've always worked in the charity sector or, or with the charity sector, uh, but always from quite a few kind of places removed. So I was working with the leaders or I was working, you know, um, whereas actually working directly with people that wanted help or um, the beneficiaries, essentially, you know, I was very far away from. So I do think that that's played into slightly my choice of going into coaching is that I really wanted to be close to that joy, to be one-on-one. -on -one. Um, the other thing I guess I learned from that was uh, I've always been quite interested in job titles and <laughs> a sense of success. So even not so financial success because working in the charity sector, it's not about that. Um, but that's always mattered to me. And I think just kind of realizing that actually that wasn't important and that I was still loved and that, you know, everyone came to my aid, you know, work came to my aid, my family, my friends. Um, it was really, it was just a very important moment for me. Um, and so I think being able to let go of some of that need for a ladder at work, you know, to be going up some ladder because with coaching, <laughs> there's nowhere to go. You can get better and better, but you're still a coach, right? There's yeah. no job title. So yeah, so, I mean, yeah. We, could, we could probably have a whole yeah. podcast about what you've just said there that is like that yeah. feels fascinating it's like well, yeah. for those of us that do feel like need that kind of ladder uh, uh, how do we meet that need yeah. through coaching uh, and I think for some people that's more than others and it sounds like this experience allowed you to let go of that which yeah. I imagine has helped you yes I'm not gonna business. lie and say that it's completely gone like it nope. still matters to me <laughs> Um, and I think, yeah, you know, as we can talk later, you know, things like training is one way that I kind of yeah. you know, sort that I, itch out. I was looking at your bio and uh, that you sent across <laughs> and there was a list of certifications and I realized I don't think I have a single coaching certification. <laughs> so I think I spent, yeah. I spent like, I spent literally, I did it in my head before the, when I was looking yeah. at the list, I thought, I think I've spent like literally over 20,000 pounds 
yeah. on developing myself. Not a single bit of which has got me any certification. <laughs> it's not quite true. The coaching school gave me a yeah. certificate, but but so I do have that. But and I have a couple of others, so I'm I'm being facetious a bit. But you yeah, do have no, a great list of things with fascinating right. people and <laughs> yeah. organizations, and yeah. definitely I'd love to. I think it would be interesting to hear about some of those if we if we get yeah later absolutely on. that'd be fine um so yeah so just coming back to the coaching piece so yeah. coming back from new york you know um i had to stay out there for another two months because you can't fly once you've had a, a lung collapse and i also had further surgery on the lung itself to essentially my lungs now stapled and stuck in place um and, 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 and this is obviously not interesting for yeah. the coaching thing but yeah. i'm curious like yeah so what caused it or what right. causes a collapsed lung well, it's interesting. So from a medical perspective, I had what's called a spontaneous pneumothorax. And it's because I had a little um, kind of like a spot on the outside of my left lung, um, which they call a bleb, B-L-E-B. And it's a great word. Sounds and, made up. Yeah. And it just popped. And mm. when that pops, you know, you have this tiny little you know, um, hole in your lung. And then basically the, the, the air comes out and it, it's just in your chest and it's got nowhere to go. And so... I, and mine must have been really slow. Um, but by the end of that evening that I, I mentioned, the fact that my heart was racing, I think was just, just a lot of pressure on that heart. Um, it normally, again, from what I've read, I'm, I'm not an expert, so <laughs> takes a pinch of salt. It normally happens to, to men, not women. Normally kind of 19, 20, around that kind of age. Tall, skinny, um, and smokers. And I'm tallish, I'm 5'8", yeah. but I'm not super tall. And I definitely was skinnier at the time, but, you know, beyond that, I don't smoke and I'm not a boy and I was, you know, whatever I was, early 30s at the time. Um, So it happened and and I completely understand the medical side of it and and trust that. At the same time, in Eastern medicine, lungs are connected with grief. Uh And I think in retrospect, looking back on it, um, it was interesting. My my old company asked me to... uh, kind of talk about this experience actually on a, on a webinar for themselves last uh, earlier this week. So I've been reflecting on this a bit and I, you know, I, my sense is that I was just holding in my grief so much um, and just carrying on um, that my lung eventually gave way. Um, where, you know, again, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but th- those are the kind of things I guess I'm holding partly the medical side. I'm also holding perhaps more of a psychological or emotional side to it. Um, yeah. yeah. And the, that depth of wisdom from, yeah. Eastern medicine, which yeah, sometimes absolutely. gets ignored. Yes, exactly. You know, my, my brother recently was, he connected, I, I can't remember the details, but he had some gallbladder problems. And when he looked oh. at what Eastern medicine says about the gallbladder, it was, yeah. like, that whatever it was, the thing that, that the gallbladder is associated with, yeah. I think it's called that, was just like, felt exactly like what was going on in his life as yeah. well. You know, around, yeah. I, I can't remember if it was courage or it was yeah. something. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not, you can't let go. Or we shouldn't let go of, you know, that depth of wisdom. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, so that kind of left me, yeah, so it, it took two months to kind of recover and heal and you know, everyone was wonderful. It was a really mm. actually very positive experience in the end. Um, but I came back and, um, yeah, spent some time with my mum in the countryside and, you know, but then kind of was thinking, you know, what's, what is next, you know? Um, and I was invited by my first charity that I worked at called Interhealth, um, to come and mentor, um, they were starting up some fundraising. They asked me to come in as a mentor for that and some strategy, um, but also to coach this person um, more generally um, to help her develop in her role. And 
I was like, well, I'm not a coach. Like I'm not trained as a coach, you know, and they're like, no, no, we, you know, I, I've worked there for two and a half years. They're like, you know, we know you very well. We think you'd be great. You know, just have a go essentially. And, um, so we did that for three months and I loved it and, mm. um, found it really rewarding. And that person then introduced me to, um, who became my coach for three years, actually, um, and a lady called Camilla Mendoza, who's based in Sweden. And uh, she, she's very astute because on our first, you know, session, she said, so I, I, in my head, I'd hired her to make me a fundraising director in London. Like, that was my goal. And I've been doing that type of work in, in the States. And she said, okay, cool. So what would, you know, an average day, doing that look like you know what would you like that to look like and I was like well probably like a third networking because I'm good at networking and she's like okay and what else and I was like and I was like oh god um and I just completely dried up and she's like what you know what's going on and I'm like I don't want it's not what I want and she's like okay so so what's actually going on here and she's like I'm like well I had this big lung collapse in New York and um, basically I, I was moved between hospitals. So where, you know, on the second day and I remember being in this very fancy ambulance and like really fancy. And I was like, why am I in such a nice ambulance? Like, you know, I just had a lung collapse. Like, not big deal. And the ambulance man is like, well, you could have died yesterday. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is just, now I have no idea if that's true. I don't, I imagine it probably wasn't true, but that's what he said. And, um, so so then when you're told that, and I think I was, I can't quite remember, I think I was 32 or something at the time, you know, I did reflect, well, if I had died at 32, what would I have regretted? Mm. And having been quite ambitious all my life, it wasn't actually about career because, because I'd worked with leaders, um, I'd kind of seen what being a CEO of a charity or, you know, something like that, or being a successful business person, or, you know, I'd, I'd kind of got an insight into what that might be like. I hadn't done it myself, but I'd seen that. What I had no clue about was how to genuinely have a long-lasting relationship. You know, um, I think my top was like a year and a half at that point. Um, and I, wa I wanted a partner. And I also wanted to have children. And so it's almost like I was coming out, <laughs> you know, and actually being like, I, I still want to work because work does fulfill me. But I also want these things. And, I'm, you know, and, I, and she's like, great, let's go about designing that. And I was like, in my head for some reason, I was like, yeah, but that's for other people. I was like, mm. I don't get to design that out. Like, I don't get to create a job. Like, you know, it's, um, and it took me, I, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like it was four or five months of coaching to genuinely just let go of all whatever was holding me back. Um, but yeah, so, so that experience was really important to me. So I guess when I think about coaching, sorry, that was a really long way. Really no, it's great. There's so much in there. Um, so many places we could, we could jump off. <laughs> I guess the first, my first experience with Andrea was about building my confidence. Yeah. Um, the second one was more about being in a real sense of transition and um, you know, really figuring out, and actually interestingly, quite a lot of my clients are, are similar to this, you know, kind of redefining and then embracing what my professional and personal priorities actually are. Um, and then working to create that. And again, that involves a lot of confidence too. Yeah. Um, and, and a real shift in mindset. Mm, absolutely. What you just described, right? Yeah. Which is, I can create this. Like, yeah. first of all, maybe, oh, I didn't know anyone could create 
their life like this. And second of yeah. all, I certainly don't believe that I can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And what an amazing bit of coaching from uh, from Camilla yeah. to yeah. ask that question and leave you yeah. space. Hanging. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, something's going on here. Yeah. 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 So, wow. Um, yeah. And so then at some point in that process, was yes. that when you were, it was like, oh, actually, that day, if I could do some networking and then yeah. sit with some people and see the beneficiaries mm. of this work. Mm. maybe it could be coaching or yeah. how did that come about so I think like I knew I was good with people like I I, I kind of I'm not sound arrogant but I can connect with most people you know wherever they're from and, and you know I've got lots of international friends and and do you have a um, feeling of where that was developed because it sounds like you were already mm. good at networking so you had that you <laughs> done the fundraising I guess which must yeah. have involved some interesting conversations that was that was a learned thing the networking thing I've learned like I actually was a very shy child like I anyone if they're listening that when I was a kid you know if you talk to me I go bright red like I was really shy um but I was also quite sensitive and I picked up on things well and um I still I think I am still sensitive and probably shy deep down as well um and so I think I don't know I just had a sense I just had a, a good sense of understanding people from quite a young age you know um so but in terms of networking that was something I learned I remember my mum's you know encouraging me to be less shy, you know, because everyone's shy, Katrina. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's something I've learned. Um, and, I, you know, we can talk about it later, but for me, it's been really important for the business development side of things. Yeah. Um, and then going back to your question about, is it coaching? So I still in my head had this feeling that I had to be in my 50s or 60s to be a coach. So it wasn't for uh, uh, no, Sorry, Katrina, yeah. I keep interrupting you. Yeah, when, yeah. Uh, when, roughly when was this? Because I think... Oh, sorry, yes. So, so just yeah. because I think it's interesting about that thing you just said, I think, uh, let's say over the last... So even maybe over the time that I've been coaching, which is slightly less yeah. than you, I yeah. think that has probably got a bit less. Yes. But, so, and, but it's interesting because 15 years ago, 10 years yeah. ago, it would have been even more, I imagine. Yes, exactly. Coaches are old people. <laughs> Older I, don't, people. I don't want to say it like that we, we will one day be 50 so oh, no. uh, I, I have some of my favorite people are in their 50s 60s 70s like absolutely um yeah yeah but I, I do think there's been quite a shift in the last five years so even five, about five years, years ago was this so this this was in I was doing the coaching early 2014 that's right um so I would have been just about to turn let me just get my maths right yeah just about to turn 33 just to give context to my age as well yeah. um so I, I was kind of emailing lots of people. I was setting up, in, in America, they call them informational interviews, yeah. um, essentially sitting down. It's what you did with me, actually. Right, exactly. Um, but it's not really done here as much. I don't know, or maybe it is nowadays, but certainly at that point, it's kind of quite ballsy just to kind of say, I'd like to learn your story. I'd like to know how you do things. Um, but I, I did, that's, that's how I got my job in New York. And so I kind of set about the same process, talking to people. I'm still quite open-minded, whether it's coaching or some other thing but um I guess I had some informal mentors as well in my ear slightly you know who just kind of dropped little kind of breadcrumbs one was a, a guy called Ted Lancaster another was Simon Hampel um and it was actually Simon who said listen why don't you try this um this coaching course um it's run by the Mo Foundation that's MOE Foundation and uh it's five days over a six week, six week period. Um, just have a go. See if you like coaching. Um, he was on the board. So, you know, introduced me to them. And 
I kind of got so keen on doing it that there wasn't anything in London for a few months. And so I went off to Guernsey to do the course. Uh, and I remember on the first day, just sitting there and they do this, be- I won't go into the details of it, but they, they do this beautiful piece on, on levels of listening, like how well do we listen and different ways we listen. And I sat there and one of them is, is you know, when you, you find commonality with someone and I'm really good at that. <laughs> really good at, and that's a great thing for networking or just, I guess, building some trust. So give us an example. So that example, really explicitly, it's, is it like... Okay, sorry. Oh, yeah, I used to live in Yorkshire too, that kind of yeah, thing. Exa- absolutely, yeah, absolutely, exactly. So it's, it's what, what can you pick out from what they've just said yeah. to link it to you. Now, actually, that's really not great listening. It is <laughs> listening in that you've picked out the thing, but you're not listening for the person. You're listening for yourself to find the commonality. You know, so it has its place. It's not to make it wrong but it's definitely not anywhere near coaching skills, you know? Um, and so I remember sitting there the first day and I was in this really rubbish B&B <laughs> and being like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not a good listener. Like I, this is not, not for me. Like I'm just not skilled at this at all. And, but I'm, but I'm kind of someone that doesn't really give up on things. So I, you know, went back and uh, by the end of it, you know, realized actually it's, it's not even necessarily your teaching people to listen it's just you're reminding them of like how important it is to listen and how powerful it can be um and I guess for me that that course is a really well done course I mean I say this now because I I'm one of the the trainers in it now so obviously I think it's good sounds um, brilliant <laughs> sounds brilliant Katrina. um uh yeah it was gifted by um Carol Wilson from Culture at Work and it is a really um you know and adapted to the audience but it's, it's a great course um I think for me, perhaps the most powerful thing was actually um, a session I was doing. We, we had to practice our coaching. And I remember being um, coached about my, ish, my, my feeling that I was too young to be a coach. And um, I was like thinking through and I was kind of like, because it was a coaching course, I was thinking, oh, this person's doing a really good job. You know, I was like, hmm. and I remember looking up and she was 18 years old. Yeah. And I was whatever I was, 33 or whatever at the time. I was like, damn, <laughs> you know, this isn't all about um, age, you know, this is about how can you connect with someone? How well can you connect with someone? How well can you genuinely hold space for them and listen and be present with them? And for me, that was a really important moment to, to realize that this was possible for me, that I, you know, I was seeing in myself and I see and other people were seeing that actually I was, this, this could be a, a, quite a gifted place for me. And that it that I'd still have use even if I was in my early thirties. Um, yeah, so I think that was quite a, a turning point. Yeah, what a nice moment. Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> and it's interesting, isn't it, that age thing? Mm. I think you're right. I think I basically entirely agree with what you said before, which is that you know that that's a perfect example of why sometimes it's exactly the right thing to be coached by someone of basically any age. Yeah. Because it could be, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the conversation would be mm. that would be where you'd be so glad it was a 69-year-old man mm. or something. Yeah. But there would be one. Yeah. There would be one where you're just like, oh, yeah, here's this thing. And it's it's different because of this exact person that's that I'm yeah. sitting with. Yeah. And, yeah, a super empowering thing to see someone who's 18 mm. going just just yeah. you know giving those skills yeah able to do it and can i give a shout out to her her name's natalie Sholey and she's just nice. she's she's great <laughs> nice is she still coaching yeah. 
Um, I think she does some coaching, but she, you know, she's in her early twenties, so she's also kind of working more generally. But yeah, um, yeah we do see each other probably once a year or something like that. Nice. Yeah, Have you told good. her that that how? Of course. Important I, tell, I tell her many times. I think she's bored of it now. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> and so, so then you've done the Mo Foundation course. Yeah. And then. Was that enough? What happened then? Were, were you like, yeah. oh, I'm all in this now. This is going to be the thing forever. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not sure you even think that now. I'm not sure I do. Uh, do you know, I do actually think, I do, I do think coaching for me now is a forever thing, whether it's the only thing, that's a, you know, a different question, but I genuinely can see myself, as long as I can hear well enough um, in my 70s, I can see myself doing this. Um, so after Mo, I did, I took some clients, I, you know, I had a, you know, a handful of clients, probably like four or five clients. Um, and I remember Tony Phillips, who is also involved in the Mo Foundation, being really helpful, uh, you know, challenging me to charge for this. And I was like, oh, I can't possibly charge. And, you know, I've been earning well in New York. So this is a ridiculous mindset of mine. But, but it's like, interesting because it's like, yeah. uh, it's not just yeah. you, Katrina. Like, yeah. that's the thing that m- many coaches if not all, struggle with at first. And I think that probably any self-employed person, most self-employed people struggle with it a bit, but I think there's something specific about coaching that that throws it up a little bit more, either the people that go into coaching or mm. the fact that it's just you and this strange set of skills that, um, was it, sorry, Natalie, wasn't it? And yeah. you and I have all developed in different ways. There's something about that. So... What do you think was going on for you about mm. that gap between I can't charge for this and... Yeah. Um, I guess I really... I've always valued professionalism and um, like knowledge and um, I guess maybe, you know, partly with my education background. Um, and so I felt that whilst what I'd done at Mo was really powerful and I it really made me think about my listening skills and it really set me up with a really good foundation personally you know just I just I like to have you know more more behind me I guess um so I I felt that I needed more training um so I went down that path at the same time I did have these clients so going back to that piece about charging um Tony was great it's like just charge 20 pounds an hour at least do that and I was like all right. And then I got to it. I was like, actually, I'm going to do 40. Like, let's, start, let's start this up reasonably. Um, but I always encourage anyone that's got any, uh, you know, any level of coaching qualification to charge something, you know, because A, if you're going to get accredited down the line, you know, you need to have paid hours or the majority has to be paid hours, wh- whichever um, organization you're accrediting with. Um, and I do think when people are paying something, they're, the, the skin's in the game and they will bring more and there will be more. Um, you know, they will hold themselves more to account. You know, I do do from time to time bits of pro bono stuff, but that's in a kind of different context now. Um, so, so yeah, that, that kind of charging piece was really helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I just, just to say, I completely agree about that, about people when they're just starting out. I was really glad that for various reasons, which I could probably work out. I mm. knew that I was go- If I was going to do this, I was going to have to wrestle mm. with charging. And right, so I was yeah. like, okay, I need to get on with this. Yeah. I haven't got time to waste. Like, this is yeah. going to be hard. I haven't got time to waste doing some for free because I need to start getting used to yeah. yes. doing some for money. Yes. And so I think I went in at 30 a session. So kudos to you for going uh, a third <laughs> higher than I did. 
<laughs> I know. Well, you know, and then and then as time went on, I did like add an extra five pounds, an extra ten pounds. And what I remember Camilla teaching me was a really useful way of thinking was the exchange of value. Mm. So if you think about it like a seesaw, you know, what am I bringing to this, and what am I, you know, getting back in return? So for my first couple of years, you know, you know, I was charging more than that after you know a bit, but. Um, I was viewing it as I was getting experience and I was getting testimonials and um, practice and everything like that and some money. And then I just started noticing when I was feeling a bit like, oh, actually, you know, I, I deserve more, you know, I'm bringing yeah. more now, you know, so that's, and I, I'm still using that way of thinking um, in terms of charging, like, where do I feel comfortable so that I'm not feeling stressed by it, but I'm also feeling it's fair. Yeah, um, yeah, because so. because also, you know, joking about training aside, like mm. uh, if you've been co- if you've gone from coaching for two years with yeah. two training courses to coaching for four years with six training courses, the investment of time, the difference yeah. in what you're delivering, the experience you've had in that time, you will everyone who's gone through that will be delivering more. Exactly. And yeah, there's plenty of different ways we can get paid from coaching, and I found that a super when I kind of had that similar thought at some point. Mm. Or I think I got it from maybe Rich Litvin might have said it, it's like, at some point, it's like, yeah, it's really useful to remember there are many ways to get paid for coaching, you know, in all those ones you mentioned and more. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I don't mind giving away coaching yeah. <laughs> some of the time, because if yeah. you're getting paid in different ways and mm. you value that and they value it, yeah, perfect. Exactly. Exactly. It's about being a bit creative, I think. Yeah. Um, and so at some point, yes. one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, because it was it was that then next that you trained with CTI? Yes, that's right. Yes. Because so yeah. I'm really interested in CTI because I mm. these days, so the coaching school where I trained um, yeah. is, is now sleeping um, right. okay. for various reasons. And mm-hmm. people often ask where, mm. what do you recommend? And I know people who have trained at different places, but I often yeah. suggest CTI partly because um, I've been on a couple of training courses, online training courses through Coaches Rising, which is a great online uh, coaching training provider that either Karen and or Henry Kimsey House have been on. And I found okay. them and the things they say. So for anyone who doesn't know, these are the, this is right, isn't it? They're the founders of CTI. Yes, it is. Yeah. With a few other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I found the things they say and them, mm. you know, very like excellent, basically. Yeah. I just thought, wow, everything here is landing in the way that I would, that I think about coaching. And the, have that i can't remember what it is you might remember there's that beautiful you know we believe that every human is something and creative and something and uh, it's a really lovely phrase which i'll look up after this call and put it in the notes for this it's, 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 it's naturally creative resourceful and whole yeah that's an you amazing just, just assumption that in. <laughs> yeah. to go into every coaching conversation with that in mind is an amazing thing to do so yeah i'm curious i wanted to ask you mm. about that and just what your reflection on that that training was and did that give you the the next level of grounding in coaching yeah. that, that empowered you to go yeah. to go further and be more confident so yeah it's interesting so cti have actually rebranded recently they're originally the coaches training institute and they've now rebranded to the coactive training institute so the word is co co and then hyphen and then active just so people can understand that um and i think it's important so i guess i learned a few things from doing the training so essentially what i did was their certification program so it's it's a year long. I think you can make it longer if you need to be, but um, I kind of crammed it in a bit. So I did about, I think it was about five or six months doing, I think it was up to 15 days of training in person um, in London. And so they were kind of three, three day workshops. And 
there was an introductory one looking at the coactive model in general. And then we looked at the different um, essentially like methods of coaching that they look at. So there's fulfillment, which is looking at more like vision work, looking at your values, looking at saboteurs, looking at your inner leader, through to then balance coaching, which is essentially helping people when they're stuck um, in their mindsets and looking at things from different perspectives and empowering people with choice. So what, you know, choosing which perspective they want to take and moving forward with that. And then process coaching, which is probably the closest to a kind of counseling vibe in that it's really just being with someone um, with whatever emotion they need to kind of be with. So rather than just going from A to B, um, sometimes you need to go really down there with someone, or you maybe need to go really hyper or really like joyful or with someone. And so, um, and then the kind of final piece wraps that all up. So I did that and then I, I still wanted to learn more. <laughs> so I did their certification program, which um, is basically a weekly program for over a six month period. And uh, was it every week or every two weeks? Sorry, it's been a while now. Um, but essentially you're with a pod of up to nine people and you dive into all the different parts of the coactive model. If people look online, you can have a look and you can see there's like, I think it's like something like 19 different parts to it. So it's quite, it's quite a complex one in a way. Um, I found that really valuable. What I felt, one of the things I felt valuable about CTI was the co in the name is about being, it's about who we are and the act is about what we do. And I think I, up to that point, and even still now, you know, I've been very heavy on the active side of things. Like you give me something to do and I'll do it. It might be last minute, but I will get it done and I'll do it well. And I've always been able to tick things off. I've achieved most things I wanted to. But so when I kind of, join us particularly in the certification pod where I was with everyone else identified as being people <laughs> and I was like oh no but I'm a doer and so I remember us talking about how do you prepare for a coaching session and I was like well I read through you know the notes that I've made you know and I think about what their overall goals are and I think you know and I really you know, get prepared and and I was like what do you guys do and like oh we do heart meditations and I'm like what's a heart meditation <laughs> and I just I was quite clueless honestly about this this cosi and so for me, I've really um, lent into that in these last few years. And I think, I guess I'm attracting people now that are good at all that active stuff and are wanting to lean into, in a way, it's harder to explain side. And it's, it's, it's really diving into who we are at a more deep level. And actually, um, I have a friend, Nicole Berg, who was doing a column for uh, coaching at work um, early this year. And she asked me to, to write a little, you know, a couple of paragraphs about the use of being with difficult relationships and so for me to be doing that now when whatever it was three or four years ago I didn't know what I was talking about has been quite a nice thing um so yeah so CTI was great in in the being side of things um I also remember a moment they offer some business development um classes and there are very few people on the call and I remember so we, we each got a chance to talk about the concept of whether in marketing we were um, a buzzy bee or an attractive flower. I think those are the words they use. I was going to ask you about this because this is one yeah. of, when, when we spoke several years yeah. ago, that, this is one of the things yeah. I remembered from it. Yeah, I mean, I it's not correct. copyright, but if it is, it's CTIs. Wow. Um, Too late now. <laughs> um, but it's, a really, it's been really helpful to me. So I was, uh, the lady asked me what I was and I was like, I'm a buzzy bee for sure. So yeah, what's the difference? Make the distinction. So in, I, I kind of just interpreted it. So in my yeah. mind, a buzzy bee is someone that's out there 
at networking events, giving you know information out, making connections like that in order to get business. You know, probably a buzzy bee, and this is something I'm not so good at, is someone that's out doing YouTube or podcasts or whatever, you know, like out out there, right? Um, and I was very good at networking sort of things. So I, I said to her, I'm a buzzy bee for sure. And she's like, are you? And I was like, and she didn't know who I was. And I was like, yes, no, 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 I'm a buzzy bee. And she goes, but are you? Yes. And I said three times. I remember. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, are you? I was like, well, no, I used to be a really shy child. <laughs> and um, I've learned how to be charming and I've learned how to do networking. But um, the reality is, is that deep down, I'm quite shy and I'm quite sensitive. Um, she's like, how would it be to be, you know, an attractive flower? And I was like, oh, I couldn't possibly. And there were two reasons for that. One, I felt that that rooting you know, it felt really limiting to me. And the second, I just couldn't believe, again, it was possible. What you, what you just... So you your imagination just, is, yeah, what's yeah, what's you, the attractive fire? Yeah, so you're just sitting there. It's almost quite Buddhist-like, you know, just sitting there and people will just come to you. And I was like, yeah, right. You know, it doesn't happen. And so she said, why don't you try that on, this perspective? And so when I got certification, which wasn't long after that call, um, we had to recruit, I remember, five. Um, paying clients as part of certification and it was just after I kind of got my first batch of clients through for after Mo and they were all wrapping up and so I was like oh damn I've got to get five new clients and so I was like right I'm going to take this attractive flower thing on but I'm going to add a little bit of my my stuff just to it so what I did was I contacted probably about five friends who I knew were well-connected people who were proactive people um, who also believed in me. Um, ideally, he knew something about coaching, but didn't have to. And I just sent them a kind of offering, like a certification offering that I'd created and a background on me. I said, can you try and find me one person each? You know? um, and I ended up with 11 people. And of course, there was some, there was some strategy around that in terms of yeah. me putting that together. Yeah. Can but, you give us some idea of like, what yeah. were the, what do you think were the most what do you think were the things that you put in mm. that package or yeah. the request to those people or the way you selected the people that meant you came back with 11 people? Because that's a great return, right? Yeah, it was a good return. Um, so, well, I think what I've learned from doing all these informational interviews over the years is that you need, you need to provide people with essentially an email they can just forward on, you know, make it as easy for them as possible. So, you know, you, I think I must have had about two or three paragraphs or something explaining like in the third person, Katrina, you know, has a background in blah, 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 blah. And I'd made sure it was useful to, to the coaching side of things. So bringing up my coaching background with future leaders, for example. Um, and the kind of people I'd worked with, even if not in a coaching capacity. But the fact that I had, I had done some coaching, you know, I was, I was, I'd had some clients. Um, I then created a package that, you know, was, I'd actually I dropped my prices, I remember, um, right down again to 25 pounds an hour because I was just so keen to get the people and get the hours in um I wanted to get my 100 hours so I could get my certification and also um be an ACC with the ICF so that was quite a driver for me the money wasn't so important so I'm sure price-wise that was a good thing for people um and but they had to commit to I think it was something like 13 and a half hours of coaching over six months and they had to commit to being recorded if I asked them because I had to submit some of my recordings for um you know, to be not not to be assessed, but to be um, be given feedback on essentially. Um, and I asked them, you know, 
as long as they were happy with the coaching to, to give a testimonial as well. So there were kind of some set up pieces around that. Um, and in return, they got some really, you know, well-priced coaching, you know, with hopefully someone that was reasonable. Um, and then I think for me, it's been about my whole, my whole coaching career is about word of mouth and we can go into that later, but. Um, You're one of those great coaches that has like, not actually got like you've got a website coming soon which has been coming so- is it still coming soon it's been coming soon since i met you at least I know. three years I know. ago it's been coming soon i have i actually bought a, a kind of uh a squarespace um uh kind of uh I completely forgotten the word so i've got mummy brain still i have a six month old so <laughs> <laughs> I, I in that case you're doing words. really well thanks i'm trying uh, <laughs> um yeah so some training training that's the word i wanted right, right. um to, to, to do Squarespace. I technically have a website. There's about, I don't know, 60 words on there. And it just basically says, go to my LinkedIn or yeah. email me. Well, and, and um, look, I, I don't think there's any, I think you know that this is what I think, but yeah. there's no pr- reason to have a website unless yeah. your business isn't working and your business yeah. has worked since presumably, yeah. I think this is right, since that moment, Yeah. by yeah. word of mouth, by referral, by connections, by these kind of things. Yeah. Well, I think so, someone, I can't remember who told me this, but it was actually more recently than the last year or two, but choose the business development strategy that works best for you. So, you know, quite frankly, when I look at your posts on LinkedIn, I'm like, oh, they're so good. I should do that. I, I should be writing. Where I see my friend, I've got a friend called Anna Lundberg who does videos. I'm like, oh, I should be doing videos or, uh, you know, and, and but the reality is for me is that, you know, what I am good at is my second love after coaching is connecting people. Like I get a real mm-hmm. high off meeting this person and then oh you must meet that person and they could be different sectors different ages different genders I just get I, I'm good at it and I enjoy it and so I think I've been pretty generous with my time and um thought I guess and that's just a, a thing I do for fun but I guess with that I've kind of built up quite a, a strong network like I think people I hope <laughs> I don't know I think they value me and I think people are you know, are willing to refer me on. Um, yeah, trust and, that. you know, without, I don't, I'm going to connect this to the Prosperous Coach because I like that mm. book so much. And part of that approach, like the first phase of it is connect. Yeah. yeah. And really that means if, if you want to have coaching clients, and I think this is just true altogether, mm. at some point you have to connect with people. Yeah. Just just connect on a human level. Yeah. And yeah. actually when I did some work with Rich and got more into that, he said he said more clearly than I remembered from the book, yeah, that can be meeting someone and having mm. a good conversation with them, or it can be connecting two people. Because that's an amazing gift to give, if, especially if they're two people that will be thrilled to meet each other. Yeah. And yeah. especially if, like you, there's a real talent for spotting, ah, yeah. you should meet Charlie or whatever it yeah. is, you know. Yeah. And yeah, so as soon as you're doing that, mm. there's just some, you know, some work going in out into the world, which yeah. presumably does lead to people at some sometimes going, you should meet Katrina. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I've learned over the years as well. It's, um, and this is where, you know, if you're not feeling, you know, I remember coming back from maternity leave the first time around. So not feeling super confident, you know, I've had this time off. Will people ever want to, <laughs> to work with me again? And Have I lost everything. it? Yeah. I know. <laughs> exactly. Have I lost the skill as well? Cause coaching is a very practical skill. Um, and you know, so there, there's an element of having to trust the, trust the universe or whatever, you know, you think about these things, just, you know, that, and it, so you're not doing these connections with an ulterior motive. Yeah. Which is really hard for people to yeah. get and hold. It's really hard, especially if you're desperate for clients. Yeah, 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 exactly. So my assumption, I just connect people, but and it, it doesn't have to be that particular person, but I just assume that down the line, in it, it'd be a year or two, 
something will probably come back because of that. And I, for example, I also, you know, so for, while I've been on maternity leave both times, you know, I've had people coming to want to work with me and I'm, I haven't been in a position to do so. And but I've still made the time to speak to that person to find out what they wanted to, to explore um, and then kind of create these personalized coach recommendations according to that, rather than just sending off some generic ones. Because A, I think they're going to be better recommendations and that person's been heard as well. Because I think it's quite, to actually ask a coach to, to be coached and, and then, then to say no. And it's, it's quite a difficult thing to deal with, I think. So I want to be as useful as possible. And, I, you know, and from that first maternity leave already, you know, I've had people then come to me a year or two later because of people like that, that I spoke to for 20, 30 minutes. So it's, it's, it's not a, when I look at kind of, there's so many business strategies out there for coaches and stuff. And, you know, it's not, it's not at all thought out. It's not thought like, oh, if I do X number of connections in that month, it will lead to this in two years or, you know, it's, it's a pretty back of the envelope stuff. But for me, it seems to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I, yeah, I, believe in you know what you said before do the do the strategy that works for you but mm. don't well, the way you're describing it has been my experience like mm. th- those LinkedIn articles they didn't come from do you know what I should have a blog so I can right. get some clients yeah, yeah. they came from I'm absolutely terrified of sharing anything about myself online yeah how can me and my coach at the time Joel design something that will I want to be different about that that mm. will get me through it and it turned out it worked and of course, I can draw lines back to the number of hours misspent writing emails to friends whilst in office jobs that were boring, yeah. um, which is some of why I can rattle off a thing in 12 mm. minutes more than maybe some other people could. Mm. Yeah. But, um, but it didn't come from that. But it does work. Yeah. And if yeah. you can find the things that are natural, yes. like it turns out that is for me after I've kind of pushed through that first really scary bit. Or like it sounds like just connecting other people is for you, then well, isn't that wonderful? You can just do a thing that is kind of natural to you, is fun to do, you yeah. get reward reward from, and it also leads to your business continuing to thrive. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it does involve a lot of trust and confidence. Um, so you have to, you know, there are moments where I doubt it and, and things like that, but I think that's that has been a very helpful message to me in the last few years is choose your one. You know, it can be lots of things, but choose the thing that you're good at. You know, if I make, you know, it's tough enough as it is, just <laughs> help yourself along a bit. Yeah, And there's a million things to, that you could choose. Like you said, a million yeah, different coaches, absolutely. including me saying two different yeah. things, do this, do that, you know, but find the one that I think that's really true. Find the thing that, yeah. and you have to stick to it. And then there's yeah. this really difficult thing, especially if you don't have the confidence or you haven't seen yeah. the returns yet, right? Because you've got to kind of stick to it longer than you think you should. Mm, yeah. But if it's really not working in the end, you're going to have mm. to change. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> uh, which true. is a really tough, uh, tough balance, especially I think, yeah. for people just starting out. Yeah. How interesting. Because, you know, I've like, as we've been going along, I've been writing yes. down little things down here. Okay. Like, must ask about this, must ask about this, must ask about that. But it, there's so many places we could go from here, but I wonder actually if the most interesting thing to do now, and I know this is a slightly odd conversation for you because you're on maternity leave, yeah. but is to, to find, just to think about where you are now with your work, yeah. both kind of practically a bit and mm-hmm. qualitatively a bit, you know, it, it, how you're thinking about coaching at the moment as much as you can and w- with all the stuff that's going yeah. on with you about maternity <laughs> yeah. leave and all that yeah. kind of thing. 
and then we'll see where we get to about picking off some of those things in between. I'm sure there are lots of things. Okay. Is that okay? So yes. Can you, tell can us you a bit? help me just? So yeah, just tell, yeah. Give me a give me an intro question. question. I'll get going. Yeah. yeah. I guess just what does maybe before you were on maternity leave this time. So it's, it's what you can you can choose between what did your work look and feel like before you stopped work because this is your second uh, yep. child, right? So second yep. maternity mm-hmm. leave. What was it looking like then? And or what are you thinking? Yeah. It might look like next, if at all. I don't know what your plans yeah. are for when okay. for when maternity leave. Okay, I can answer both. Okay, is that? I mean, it's, it's helpful. Yeah. Um, so I'll go back to pre. So I'm six, um, seven months into maternity leave, and I'm returning. Yeah, mid-November. So I've got a little bit more time um, before maternity leave. What I, I guess, becoming a mother has been really good for me for many reasons. You know, obviously, I, I love my kids and you know my husband, and you know, it's all you know the nice stuff. But in terms of oh, let's catch it, all this yeah. stuff that that when you were first speaking, to, which of the coaches was it? You you were like, no, it's actually, familiar. yeah, I want those things, and now <laughs> exactly. you've got them. I know. Sorry, I shouldn't just pass that off as stuff then. Yes, because no, yeah, I have I have absolutely created that life. That is the yeah. life that I wanted, and I have created it. So um, thank you for stopping me there and appreciating that because it is. You know, I'm, I won't show you my, because it's a bit messy. But <laughs> I'm looking around at my, my home right now and, it, you know, I, I have a lovely home. And I, you know, I have a great, a great family. So, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in terms of business, uh, I have always been quite a people pleaser and a perfectionist. And so I remember when I started out, I was offering you know, five days a week, any time between seven in the morning and six o'clock at night. And I remember not being very strategic about it. And so I'd have like these slots all over the place. And, you know, so I'd have to come back home to do with that call where I'd been, you know, it just wasn't thought through. And I was really, really available. And the reality is now as a mum, you know, one of the reasons I actually went down the coaching route beyond thinking it would suit me and wanting to help people was the lifestyle I thought could suit being a mum really well because I do the majority of my coaching uh, remotely. Um, I do meet people in Battersea Park if, you know, they're in London and, you know, as part of a package, they can do some, some sessions there. But in general, you know, or potentially with a corporate, I might go face-to-face. But most of my work is, um, is over the phone or, or Skype. Uh, and, um, and, and let me just catch that. Yeah. Is that because you wanted to create the lifestyle with the flexibility or is it just how it's turned out? How come it, no, you've decided it, to do most of it online and two reasons I guess one is yeah lifestyle so it means and even before having children it means that I can you know I I wanted to be able to create a space that I could then still I guess I was preempting having children really Mm. so um you know it means that I I'll tell you about that in a minute but basically yeah so partly around lifestyle and then partly I remember CTI encouraging us to do coaching over the phone and again another you know limiting belief was like oh no but you need to see someone's body language to understand what's really going on and they're like, no, just try it, try it. And I've realized that, well, I don't know, I shouldn't do a disservice of myself in person, but I think I'm probably better over the phone. Um, Why do you think because, that is? Yeah. Well, even now, and what's great about this call, for example, is that I'm doing this on an iPhone, so you're quite small. I can't even see myself. Like, I'm down in the corner, and I actually can't see myself. So I actually have not looked once to, down there. But I know when I've done it on laptops, you can see yourself. I know you can now hide. I didn't. Yeah, know I have before. to. I have to hide myself. Otherwise, yeah. I'll do a weird yeah. thing where I'll check myself out. So I didn't realize for a long time that you could do that. And so yeah, so your so my attention wasn't always on the person. I was worrying like, oh god, is my hair greasy or <laughs> like. Um, so, but when you've just got 
someone speaking into your ears and that's all you've got. You have to re- you just go to a different level and you're listening for the silences. You're listening for what's behind the silence. You're, you're noticing just shift in, in voice or, and sometimes you can just bring in, you know, a, a dog barks past or whatever, you know, what's that about? Bring that into the coaching. Either they've lost, you know, their concentration or, or is there something there? What does the dog I, mean to you? I got to say, I had an amazing <laughs> message from a dog to a client last week. It was just so, because the dog, the dog was going yeah. mad and it was really, really interesting to think, what, if this was a message from the universe, what might the dog be trying to say? And it was really powerful to catch that. Oh, I've, um, you know, and I, I encourage my clients if they can get out of their offices to get into some nature. Um, for the so, calls. For the calls, not all of them, you know, because they definitely need to be in a quiet place. That's important. Um, but yeah, if, if, you know, some clients are really drawn to that. And so I've had a client speak up in a tree once and I was like, oh no, like my insurance, what's that going to be like? I think that's covered. <laughs> yeah, listen <laughs> as they fall yeah. out of it, right? <laughs> exactly. Listen really carefully to just what's behind the silence. You as just they... stay really still. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's their choice. That's what yeah. they wanted to do. And, and one... I've just, yeah. I want to catch like, yeah. I don't think there are any trees I can get in around here, but one <laughs> yeah. day I'm going to do that as a client. Yeah. I speak to my coach yeah. on the phone. Um, it would change things. Yeah, absolutely. To be that much in nature. Yeah, and yeah, I've had someone underneath the tree in a, in a much in a more reflective and poignant place. You know, it's, it can be really powerful. Um, so, so yeah. So going back to where did I get to? So we're talking about structuring things. Sorry. Yeah. So I have a very butterfly mind. It kind of I always get back to the it's, point. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in terms of structure, I'm, I'm doing most of it remotely so that it la- now allows me, so going back to what my luck, my work looked like in the first maternity, after the first maternity leave, I was like, any time I'm away from my then just one child, um, you know, it has to be worth it because, you know, it's my, my kid and I'm, you know, so at the same time, I knew that I wanted to do some work because it gives me a sense of identity beyond being a mum. And, you know, being a mum is an incredibly important job, but it's also quite a tiring job. And I actually get refreshed by having some, some work. Um, but I was literally doing three half days a week. So um, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday afternoon, you can get three slots in each. Um, so that would be up to 18 people if I was doing it every two weeks. Um, is that how I, normally the, the no but I, I normally I normally coach up to 12 people for me that's enough like you know any more and it depends how you approach coaching obviously I could fit in 50 people in a week but um, I also let people email me in between sessions you know I'm quite you know and whilst I'm not kind of thinking of them all the time and holding them in that energy there is an energetic thing there that these are my people you know in the time that they're with me they're my people and, and, and obviously I care about them beyond that but um so so yes and actually and to then what was interesting is I, I just assumed that that would limit me because people working for companies wouldn't be able to get that time away um or that just the time slots wouldn't work and I I've only actually been turned down by one person specifically because of that um like he was just very high up in his company he was just like it's not I need evenings or weekends I was like I can't I can't offer that um and actually I think by limiting the kind of structure um, has been really powerful. You know, people know where they stand. They understand why I'm doing it. Um, those clients that are particularly interested, you know, perhaps at the stage I was at post New York that want to have children, that want, you know, they actually really appreciate that. 
Yeah, and um, if, if if what you said is right, that you know you tend to get people who have got a real track record of doing, but mm. want to get more into the being. Well, one of the yeah. ways that you do that is you create yeah. boundaries. Yes, oh, and absolutely. Really, what yeah. you did, right? You yeah. just, and I think, yeah. yeah, I've, I think it's really powerful to be able to say, yeah. look, this is this is yeah. how I work. You yeah. can meet me here, and if you don't want to, that's fine. Yeah, I'll help exactly. You find Exactly. And that's the, that's the way I come from it. Cause I, I know so many good coaches. Like it's not like I'm the only coach who can possibly help these people. Like, um, so that's been really powerful. It worked really well last year. And actually I had my most success, you know, financially successful year last Amazing. year, which Amazing. was surprising. But this is really important. This is a really important lesson. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that being free and totally flexible at the start and the people pleaser in the way that you spoke about, I mean, of course, different things have changed and mm. like, people waiting till you were back and yeah. you're more skilled and all those things. Yeah. But it certainly doesn't look obviously true that providing more opportunity for people um, provides more clients. No, no. I, I, yeah, exactly. I know. I think it's that kind of, um, yeah, people suddenly think it's more exclusive or they want, you know, they want in. <laughs> well, and also there's something for me about, I think both in the way that you're talking about creating the lifestyle that you wanted first, like even before you had children, creating a lifestyle that would support that because that's the lifestyle that you wanted. There's that. And then there's also a leadership point of view, which mm. is there will be a load of people yep. who will really admire the fact that you are holding those boundaries. Yeah, You know, I'm sure women, but also men yeah. who just think, wow, this person is really walking that talk about yeah. creating the right balance, creating the right life, creating work that, that really yeah. serves it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so to answer your question then, I guess, uh, so my, I, my, my coaching was looking really good last year. Um, I did it for about 14 months, I think, before taking the next maternity leave. Um, so, you know, nine, of, nine months of that was pregnant as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then going forward, what it's looking like, um, I've actually just been thinking about this because, you know, I have been, it was weird after, you know, normally I get an approach every, I don't know you know, minute, like maximum week, but probably like every two weeks while I'm on maternity leave. And suddenly after speaking to my old company about my lung collapse, I had four in two hours the next morning. I was like, what is that about? Like that's From the company? No, not from the company. No, just ah. random people. Random, but all within, you know, yeah. Um, yeah love so, it. What, someone I know says, what do you do when you're, when you want to have more clients? Yeah. And she's just like, just do something. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, but you do something. And yeah. then some clients sometimes arrive yeah. Often unrelated, but yes. it doesn't feel unrelated. Somehow. Yes, yeah. So for me, it was a really, you know, as you know, I'm quite, you know, hidden. I'm not really, you know, yeah. up there like, look at me, Coach Katrina. And um, I guess it was my first step into kind of being. And I wasn't even talking about coaching particularly, but um, you know, it's getting out there. And so, so now I am starting to think, you know, about my return to work in mid-November. You know, I've spoken to the nursery and everything, and I'm going to continue with those three half days. Um, my older son's now there for three full days because he gets a lot more out of it, I think, doing full days. Um, and then as my younger son gets older, you know, I'll think about the three full days as well. But he, I just think he's too young right now. Um, so it gives me the chance to do some decent work, but also, you know, have the afternoons with him. Um, and in my mind, I, I, I don't really see myself wanting to work more than three days a week anyway, just generally. Um, so yeah, that's kind of... The plan in terms of the content of work um so 
it's interesting, you know, that's again, there's so much marketing out there, advice out there for coaches and you're meant to, I, sh- I should be able to tell you, Robbie, I am a bloody blah coach. Well, coaches. yeah. What, what do you think yeah. about that? So, so I crowdsourced yeah, yeah. a few questions uh, from okay, groups cool. of coaches that I, that I had and about three or four times came back this, this eternal niche question, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've got lots of thoughts on that, but I'm really curious to hear yours because I, well, given you don't have a website, at least, yeah. <laughs> uh, at, I suppose you're on, you have a LinkedIn page. Yeah. You're not obviously saying, yeah, left-handed no. uh, gay yeah. typist. Yeah, yeah. Or exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's quite an interesting image. Um, I, uh, yeah, no. So uh, the niche thing, I logically understand it. I, I get it. I, you know, it's a massively crowded space, the coaching world, and it's going to get more and more crowded. And um, I understand that if I could tell you that I am a such and such coach who coaches these kind of people on this kind of topic, you would then remember me as, oh, Kat's the person that does that. And then and when someone's just, talking to someone, they're talking to someone, they're like, yeah. ah, you do that. You know, the person who does that is Katrina. Yeah. Um, so I'm missing out on that. I, and I, so, I'm not, so I'm not saying niching is wrong. I think there's a real place for it. It just doesn't work for me right now. Who knows? Maybe I, I will suddenly become a niche coach. But um, for me, I found the idea of niching quite um, claustrophobic. Almost. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, I, that's a really good reasons, way of putting it. Yeah. One of the reasons I want to work for myself is that it gives me a massive freedom, obviously flexibility, but also I get to choose who I work with, what I work on, etc. And, uh, so yeah, if you look at my LinkedIn, it's, it's, I don't even say I focus on these, I say the types of clients who tend to work with me are, and so, you know, but there's, there's four types and I'm thinking of another three at the moment as well. So the four are leaders in social innovation. So that's looking more at leadership coaching um, and using my, my, I worked for 10 years in charities and, and with the fundraising consulting firm. So that, that's bringing in some of that, but also my coaching skills on that. Then there's um, high potential professionals. Again, I guess perhaps some of my personality as well into that. Um, but also the fact that I do have some leadership background in that. And then women who are I, I mentioned it earlier looking to redefine and embrace their professional and personal priorities which is essentially what I did with Camilla you know um and you know a lot of women you know may come to me and you know very successful women and, and it doesn't have to be from the charity sector they'll come to me you know from the corporate world um as well and it's almost like a coming out and saying I want to embrace this more feminine side you know whether that's having children or not but there's something that they're wanting to tap into and then there's this piece about nature which is is feeling like that I think when I think about expanding what I'm doing I think will be something I lean into more um just because of my lifestyle right now um you know I can meet people in Battersea Park but beyond that I can't do a huge amount more unless I'm going to do retreats or something um but I I can encourage my clients to to be outside um for me working for myself it's really important I get out of the house every day um just you know, keeping myself a bit sane. And, you know, I grew up in the countryside. I love green. You know, a little tiny garden is bursting with green. Um, it's really important to me. So I have that. And so I think, I don't know, I should really ask people, but I feel like people, I, I, what I do is rather than have a website, I have a, bio, a biography, two pages. It's quite a detailed one. And then people, I think, find commonality. They might identify with one of those four types or all four types. Um, they might notice that I've had a bereavement with my dad or that I've been in New York or I went to Oxford University, whatever the kind of thing that they, that they kind of catch on to. Um, so I want to continue all those people I love working with, like that's continual, you know, I want to, those kind of people are great. Um, 
three areas I'm considering. You see, it sounds ridiculous now I'm saying seven areas. <laughs> um, uh, you know, something about climate change just feels really important to me. And it's kind of linked to the nature piece. There's a, an organization called Climate Change Coaches who have been running, um, uh, it's called Hashtag Climate Mojo Week. And it's a campaign for coaches to give up their time to coach the general public on their relationship with climate change. And so I did three sessions for that just once the boys were down in the evenings. And it's only three, but I've had to say I've, I've found it really powerful work. And I can imagine it being really important going forward. Um, so I'm going to join, the, they do a coaching circle. So I'm going to join that in October for three months um, in which you kind of start thinking about where is your place within environmental coaching type work. Um, the kind of skills that you need perhaps more strongly because it's such a, a big topic for people and everyone, we all have our different emotions around it and everyone experience, everyone's got some sort of relationship with it whether you believe in it or you don't you know <laughs> as basic as that um through to grief and sadness or hope and um so it's, i think it's going to be quite powerful work um and so it's also thinking about how do you manage yourself within all of that so that that feels really exciting yeah and I, like i've got a friend who start, really saw that you know often the people who work in that kind of field mm. burn out mm. because they're so passionate yeah. And it's such an over, if you, you know, if like, if you're trying to solve that problem, mm. if you're taking that on yourself, that is an impossible and overwhelming thing to do. So I, yeah, I think that both the, you know, yeah, the people who care about it and, you know, everyone to a certain extent, there's a, there's the questions that are important to answer yeah. um, about, well, and, and you know, in the world, it, you could take that broader because mm. it feels like there's more uncertainty and, uh, less stability in the world's i mean than ever before yeah i think yeah. it's fairly i'm fairly sure that's true uh that whatever your cause is yeah yeah it's absolutely. a bit most of them are, yeah, are as complex as climate change yes um, yeah and that's very fair but yeah. but i thought that was really interesting and because you mentioned in i think either in the notes you sent across or in the bio that that, that also connects for you to a bigger question about purpose for yourself yeah. Which I think yeah. is what you're saying that this coaching circle might help with. So I'm wondering how do yeah. you, I guess it's a question about how do you think about that for yourself, but also how does that connect with as far as you do this thinking about your work and that, that contribution you make? Yeah. So I guess I kind of grew up, my, my, both, my, my, both my parents are biologists and so um, they worked at um, the Wildfire and Wetlands Trust in, in Slimbridge. And my dad was the kind of number two to Peter Scott there. And he, he was a scientist initially, very interested in bird migration and navigation, and then um, latterly was into conservation and set up one of the world's first environmental treaties um, called the Ramsar Convention. And my mum studied swan behaviour for 10 years. So I kind of grew up in this quite environmentally aware, not activisty, but mm. environmentally aware family. Um, you know, and, you know, my dad had done this amazing, you know, with two other people, but had done this amazing, you know, treaty that is still, you know, to protect wetlands around the world. Um, so I kind of, I guess, grew up with quite high ideals. And there's always been a part of me that feels that I haven't quite lived that out yet. You know, there's more to, to, mm. to do on that front. And I was very, you know, interested in the environment as a child and teenager and I think I became professional <laughs> you know even though I was within the charity sector and you know the kind of doing good idea um and I think it's you know taking a bit more time now and also having children and stuff I'm coming back to well actually you know 
we have this one world. Um, you know, what is my what is my part in helping to preserve it or innovate within it? You know, what, so that we you know we leave it in a better place. So I think it's a, it's a kind of cliche thing of leaving the world a better place, but it's that thing behind what I do. So whether that's in terms of leaving behind you know two boys who are loving and kind, you know, or leave behind clients who feel empowered and you know love themselves um or whether it's yeah somehow plugging that into the environmental space um i'm very much at the beginning of that journey still what i do know at the, the moment i think the first thing to do for me is, is using my coaching skills within that arena um beyond that i don't know there's there's something for me <laughs> you know we talked about visibility quite a bit you know right? there's a part of me that feels i've always said in my mid-40s and i don't know why I do it's because my kids will be at school then um but in my mid-40s I do want to be a lot more visible and you know even on television you know and it's not necessarily as coach Katrina it might be but then and I have a feeling there'll be something around nature and that I don't I'm as vague as that at the moment I'm kind of vague on purpose that I don't make it stressful or or anything yeah but so so there's so much here that I'm interested in (laughs) that that last piece yeah being vague on purpose it sounds like you are content with that and I think yeah. sometimes, certainly I have at times felt stressed out about not knowing my purpose mm. and all that kind of thing. So what thoughts have you got about how to hold purpose in a way that serves you? Yeah. So purpose, gosh, it's, it's one of the things we coach on, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I have a little phrase, you know, that what, what my purpose is and everything. And um, What is it? Okay. See if I can remember it now. <laughs> I am the playful swallow who flies through the golden orb of love, bringing mm. energy and light. Wow. I got a little shiver then. Did you? Yeah. My hair's nice. all up here. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> it always is. It always is. For anyone um, listening, I have very short hair, uh, <laughs> which is always sticking up in the air. Ever since I was a little, like 18 month old with frizzy oh. hair all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I guess it is that kind of, that light piece. It's not about, I mean, saying that I've, what I've realized that that purpose piece that actually poor little playful you know, swallow will get tired and you need to make sure that there's, there needs to be a nice little kind of puddle or lake for them to fly you know, near to and a tree for them to sleep in. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's kind of like that fairy dust vibe. But then it's also recognising that I do need strong foundations. And what I've been lucky is, you know, that I have a really great family, both my own family pre-meeting my husband, but also um, my husband and my kids. And I think they give me a real sense of roots which is what we talked about earlier of that attractive flower like I used mm. to be really turned off by that but now I realize that for me having really strong foundations allows me then to be a very present coach and um I think I do my job well because of that so um so yeah I don't I think it's very easy to get wound up by kind of living out your purpose the whole time so I just keep it really simple about am I actually making the world a better place by that small action and it doesn't need to be like, I've changed the world, but is it better than not better? And that, that's it, really. Yeah, um, I, think, I yeah. think that's great. I think it's great. Yeah, and uh, let me just catch, what was it? There was another little thread that I didn't make a note of this time. So I guess, hmm, if you're thinking about purpose and how you do that and what's coming next, how does that, this question about being more visible, because I think this is a thing that that is 
I think there's a few things that happen around visibility for coaches. One is people get trapped in a kind of victim space where they feel like they have to be visible in order to have a successful business. I, you have to have yeah. a blog and a webinar series, which yeah. gets people to buy an online course, which gets oh, them gosh. to be one-on-one coaching. It makes you feel yeah. panicky just hearing yeah, that. Yeah, you, did, you, did, <laughs> you just did a little shiver when I said it. It's like, no, like, oh. no. So, but that's the, so there's, there's what, that's one of the yeah. things that people. Get and that's not to, to say of, that's wrong, by the way. Like that's no. Yeah. But I think you know, you your our conversation today and your story is a great example of how that is not how you have to do it. No, right? it is a way to do it. How you have done it is a way to do it, and people can choose those things. They can yeah. choose. Oh, I could do it like a tree now. Yeah. Do I want to? Or I could do it like this this online course, which says it will get me a six figure coaching business in just six days. Will um, <laughs> will tell me how to do it, and you could choose yeah. to do that if you were slightly. Uh, losing it um but 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 of course those tools are also really useful and i use many of them myself yeah. and many people do so i think there's that piece about visibility that we sometimes feel like we have to be visible mm. and w- what i like about the way that you've talked about it in this conversation mm. and a little bit on email before is it feels like you're getting to that point where you're saying yeah i could be more visible than i am and maybe i will choose to yeah. and i'm just wondering you know that picture of you in your 40s being much more visible the kind of experience that you're having now how does that all connect to this question of purpose um well I guess all my work coaching work is one-to-one at the moment and you know most of it is private clients sums with organizations but it is all one-to-one uh I do deliver some coach training for the Mo Foundation now. Um, at the moment, I just do it once a year, just because of my own um, you know, practicalities with children. Maybe I'll do it twice a year, but it's, so it's not like I'm doing it all the time. But when I do do it, um, a I enjoy it, but b I, I've had feedback at least that you know people do find me quite inspiring and you know do really connect with me. Um, and so even just being in that room, for example, I'm magnifying I guess what I can offer by 20 people rather than one and so there is something about yeah sharing and having a bit more impact um and that's one way of doing it you know um I think it is it's coming down to my impact in the world um one of the reasons I enjoy working with leaders in social innovation for example is that I know that they go off to you know, there could be even it could be charities, social enterprises, even companies, but they're going to be doing something good in the world too. So it's kind of that ripple effect. I've been relying on, I guess, in my head, but then perhaps I can help make a little big. No, the ripples can be a bit bigger. Um, so I think that's that's where I kind of see it. Um, the TV thing, again, the, there's an impact thing behind that. There's also a part of me that just thinks it'd be quite fun, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, why not? Uh, yeah, I think, I guess it's for me, it's just making sure that I'm doing stuff at the right time. And so the way that I've judged the opportunities recently that come up is, you know, is it, does it feel like the right time and is it contributing? So yeah, and how do you know if something's the right time? I don't know. You just feel it. Yeah. <laughs> because, is there a particular um, feeling or is um, I guess is it is it making me feel anxious or like if it's too making me feel anxious I won't do it because yeah. it's not there's a kind of thing where you kind of you know in your belly right that you know it makes you scared but you kind of know that you could do it that's that's the kind of where I'd want to be but if it's making me feel really really anxious like oh god I can't you know what if I do this 
then that's too much. And I, there's no there's no point in it. Like, why am I doing that? Like, yeah, it's a bit only- like yeah, it's not worth it. It's like if I've only got this amount of time, and I've and I'm a bit like you're saying about your children. It's like if I'm spending time away from them. Yeah, it's not worth it. If I'm going to be massively anxious and all these things. Yeah. So I think. Um, I guess it's also that exchange of value I've always found very useful, that idea, you know, if what I'm going to be putting into something, you know, what am I getting, you know, that can also be another way to think about it. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I look at all these kind of webinars and, you know, courses and I think, oh gosh, I should be doing that too, you know, but should I? I don't know. You know, there's part of me that still gets, you know, activated by it. Um, and there's part of me that's like, just trust in what you're doing. It's okay. I think all of us probably do at some point. I yeah. certainly do as well. Yeah. I've got a few kind of questions that have been like, uh, I feel like sneezes unsneezed uh, okay. from earlier in the conversation. Okay. One of them is uh, just to really loop back. Yeah. Really interesting in the doing and being mm. thing. Yeah. I feel like my last few years, like I feel like I, I used to pride myself, right, on being someone who could make stuff happen. Yes. In my previous career. Uh, I once joked. Uh, the, I don't know if you've watched The West Wing. Have you watched The West Wing? You know, I haven't. It's really okay. bad. You like, should. It's great. Yeah. This guy, Josh Lyman is the guy who mm-hmm. sorts everything out for the president, basically. Okay. And I used yeah. to think, yeah, I could be the Josh Lyman of the of the Yorkshire art scene or something okay. like that. And I used to love yeah. that because I was like, it's, it's cool and there's a lot of buzz to it. And my journey as a coach to a place where I feel like I've got the balance right has been a lot of letting go of that and creating things in a different way. But I think having that doing muscle mm has massively served me mm. in growing a business. Yes. And I just wonder if you feel like that's the same and what, 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 I wonder what the difference is for, some, for those other people who are on that CTI call who are really being people was when they had to, if they had to, get out in the world and yeah. do a certain amount of making things happen. Yeah. I wonder wh- whether it's an advantage to be, have been the doer that you and I yeah. were. Well, I won't talk about those people on the CTI course in, in the, when, when I'm thinking about pod, because actually I think they're quite, a lot of them were quite do. I mean, they, they had achieved quite a lot in their careers. It wasn't yeah. like they weren't. So I don't think they're a great, but you know, I think they did both actually, right. but they lent towards being. Um, but I, so I'll just talk, talk about myself if that's okay. Um, in so far as like the doing side. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm on maternity leave right now, but I'm constantly thinking about things and, you know, I'm kind of, it's still connecting people and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you're smiling about it, right? It doesn't look yeah, like yeah, a nervous, no, oh, I'm wearing myself out thing. It looks like, no, no, oh, no, it's no, fun no. to do that. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I've kind of let go of um, needing to appear like I'm sending emails before six o'clock. I used to think you should do that. So now if I send an email at 10 because I'm watching some TV, that's that because that I don't have much time in the day. Like I really don't. Um, you know, the kids go down at seven or eight, you know. So um, the doing piece... Yeah, I guess where I have kind of done the doing, so it is, you know, contacting people. You know, if it's, someone, it's just kind of making sure that I'm always following up with people. And I always kind of are very good with my, my calendar, you know, so after meeting someone, I'll tick it and I put a little follow-up if I need to follow up. And, you know, I might not follow up for a few weeks, but it will always get ticked eventually, you know? So, like, I'm kind of good at making sure that follow-up's done. Yeah, um, yeah what are the – because that's a really interesting point. Like, I have some things where I – essentially tick stuff off yes which i use as a way to celebrate one of them is uh, i have a log of all my coaching hours 
Yes. And once I've completed the kind of whatever a session, whatever I need to do for a session, I go into that and enter some extra hours and feel a little rush because I'm like, wow, amazing. You know? Yep. No, I'm the same. Yeah. Like I'm kind of the idea of becoming a PCC with the ICF is, is very important to me. And I think had I not had these two kids, you know, I would have done it by now, but um, I'm not quite, I'm nearly there, but I'm not quite there. And uh, so, yes, I'm the same. I have this spreadsheet and I, you know, log down everyone's things and it gives me a real high. You just get the extra one, you're closer, you're getting closer. So yeah, I'm definitely still achievement driven. Um, I'm just thinking about, it's interesting because in a way I've kind of, I guess in a way I'm kind of, when you think about marketing and driving your business, I guess in a way I'm quite a beer, (laughs) if that's such a word, because, you know, I am, you know, just, I'm, I'm kind of following up on things and if people ask for biographies, I'll always send it and, I'm, and I'll have calls with people who are interested in coaching with me or when I'm on maternity leave, you know, helping them find someone else. I'm always kind of doing that. But in, in many ways, I'm kind of just allowing people to come. So um, I, think, I think probably what I do do well is I'm quite professional and I think that's probably from my last company, you know, taught me to be more professional um so it's basic things like you know be ready 15 minutes before the call you know um typically I'm quite a last minute person so I've had to learn that um but it gives me the time to just calm you know get in a calm place um and and remember you know really be there for that person then um you know my welcome packs and everything like that you know I think are quite professional you know everything my kind of written stuff is quite I think you know I kind of always send these long emails to you don't I (laughs) Like when I could have just said, fine, yeah, that's cool. I'll be like, well, da, 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 da. I, I don't know. I'm perhaps over the top slightly. But I think I have quite a professional edge. And you I'm, do. And yeah, I, I yeah. feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. That you do, yeah. Okay. But I'm not. But then, yeah, I kind of think I, I'm kind of, I'm somewhere of the center between being super, I guess, on the being front or hippie or whatever, however you want to talk about that. And then to be really doing and really corporate or whatever. So I'm kind of in that middle ground. And I like being in that middle ground. Um, sorry, I feel like I haven't answered your question that well. It's kind of it's quite a vague answer. No, I think it's I think it's interesting. What what comes up for me as you share that is, well, I guess maybe my next question. I've got another question of kind of follow up that might answer some of this. But it feels like, in a way, you have through choosing something which comes naturally to you as the, it, like it sounds like your number one marketing tool as far as it is a marketing tool, is connecting people. Yes. And that, that is the, basically the thing you do. And by making that something that you do really naturally really well, yeah. Yeah. that's fantastic because it doesn't feel like you're having to push and make things happen. And often that's the way when we're using the natural talents we've got, people feel like they're not doing anything yeah. because it's just a natural talent. It comes easily and you don't have to think about it that much uh, in terms of the way you would if you or yeah. I was trying to run a coaching business by creating an online course and a webinar and all that kind of stuff right that would be hard work and you could use the doer to do that but actually because you found this way of building your business through that strength Mm. it doesn't feel like you're doing yes i think that's true um and but and you've got the structure which maybe you learned that was important from doing our previous roles that you're it's holding it all and and that strikes me just a last thought as a little bit like what you said about family it's like if you've got certain amount of structure and roots, yeah, that really frees you. And I feel the same. I got married last year, and it, straight away it, cha- it changed how I felt about life. It was like, oh, here's this bit of stability now, complete stability, because we've made that promise. 
and suddenly there's more it, it's easier to be freer in other ways yeah yeah and no, i think i think it's really true i, I remember before i got married you know, before i even met my husband i used to view settling down as a real kind of like Ooh, settling down <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> and, that, and that my life was going to be over and when i became a mom my life was going to be over and you know actually this is a nice one to, to bring in um i remember when I was pregnant the first time around, I was, I was nervous, you know, was I going to be having a career to come back to, you know, what's that going to be like? And I remember interviewing um, a lady who is very successful in the corporate world. And she, I asked her, I said to her, you seem to have it all. You know, you've got the kids, you've got the husband, you've got a really great job. You know, do you think it's possible? I said women, because it was about me, but I guess it could be about men. Um, is it possible for women to have it all? And she said, absolutely. Um, but over a lifetime, and that has been the most useful piece of advice in the last few years I've had, uh, because rather than feeling like I need to be doing everything right now, it's like, okay, right now I'm a mum to two young children and I have a, a business that's kind of going like that. It's going up, but it's not like that. But it's going up um, and I'm keeping my skills and building on my skills and I'm building on the kind of people I'm working with and that, but it's not, that has to come alongside being a mother and being a wife. Um, so, and at other times, you know, eight years time, you know, whatever, they'll be at school, the career can go up, whatever it is, you know, and I really like that idea of kind of, uh, kind of almost like zooming in and out of different parts of your life. And it's, it's again, it's about trust and confidence, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And if you were to, if you were to zoom right out, Mm-hmm. of the journey so far and the way things have gone. Maybe you've just said it. Maybe it's that piece of advice. But w- what are the things that have felt like the most significant moments or thoughts or insights that have happened so far? Um, I think I've already said most of them, actually, which is nice. Um, it is the one that I'm loved, regardless of job title. That's been really useful. Um, it's just thinking through my journey. Yeah, it's about the age thing. Anyone can coach. Um, the being piece has been really important to me. What else? Um, I think I think I've probably raised quite a lot of them. What I would say is that idea of trust feels really important. Like I'm not particularly religious. So, you know, um, you know, I talk I talk about the universe, but not in a kind of like a, a kind of a really informed way you know but I, I guess I do feel there's perhaps some stuff that we don't understand around us and you know whatever that looks like so I guess I'm kind of just trusting that things will will turn out okay and I guess I'm coming from a more optimistic perspective whilst being reasonably realistic but I think that trust piece and it's really hard to you can't really teach someone that like they either have to feel it or want to feel it and, and you know you, you kind of you find evidence what you want to support don't you so you know if I you know the four clients I mentioned after I did that um webinar you know that might have just been pure chance and it, you know a logical person would say that was pure chance or you could say hey you stepped out your comfort zone in return you know here is four people to explore working with you know um so I would say it's perhaps, yeah, maybe it's that mindset of trusting, allowing things, you know, not always fighting for things or pushing, pushing, pushing. And I, so I, I guess that's more of a, 
I, I don't want to lay by well, but that kind of feminine energy, perhaps leaning into more of that has, has been really helpful for me knowing that I can do more of the kind of professional driven. I'm still driven. Like I, I still have all of that, but yeah, I think for me, it's been leaning into the being peace, allowing, um, trusting. And I know it's really vague, but <laughs> I think for me, that's what's been helpful. It's not at all. It's, it's lovely. And I, it, it resonates with me in lots of ways. Mm. You kind of said you, maybe you can't teach this, but mm. how did you learn it? Yeah. Um, and I don't, I hate to say you can't do anything. So I'm sure you can teach this. Um, but I kind of feel like you have to discover it yourself. You know, maybe you, you kind of put yourself in a position to discover it. So actually it was because of my clients, you know, I think come to me because that, but, but I can't tell them that they have to, you know, discover that themselves. Um, how did I become aware of that? I think, well, yeah, I think my lung collapse was really important in that story. Um, you know, I, I've always been able to figure stuff out or kind of make, create stuff as well. I've always, you know, if any of I actually applied properly for one job and that was a receptionist job at my at Interhealth when I started out there. And the rest has all just been either promotions or me meeting people and getting in that way. Um, so um, I completely lost my train of thought. Sorry, I got distracted. What was the question again? The, the lung collapse you're talking about. The question was, you know, where do you think you've learned that? Learned that trust and the allowing? Learned the trust. Okay, yes. So when my lung collapsed, um, the next day I was told I couldn't fly for eight weeks and I was also going to have this extra surgery on it. And so I was facing, you know, I was A, in pain and exhausted. You know, it was, just, it was just kind of like a very complex situation to be in. And I remember just kind of looking up and not being particularly religious, but just saying, I submit, you know, and because I didn't know the answers. I just didn't know how to take this forward. I couldn't, couldn't logically think it through. and everything just turned good. You know, my work were amazing. My family, friends, you know, I had, I even had a violinist, one of my, my doctor friends, I'll say his name because he's great. Robert Aquadino was, he's, he's a doctor that met me in hospital at 11 o'clock at night and was with me till five in the morning and visited me every day and even organized for a violinist to come and play at my bedside. He was a, been a very good friend to me. And, but I think it is, it's like that, incident forced me to allow others to help and to just trust that it was going to be okay because I didn't I didn't know if it was going to be okay but I had to just trust it and it really was and so I think for me I was lucky that I had some incident um not everyone does you know you can just go through life and you have to kind of find that out for yourself and um but yeah I think that's where I started started to learn that kind of way of thinking or being that makes sense yeah yeah it reminds me i noticed that one of the you've done some training with robert holden mm. and one of the things that he says that i really like is um he talks about how sometimes we need an involuntary stop mm. yeah. in our life in our journey and i think i i've had some of those yeah and it sounds like this was one for you but it, yeah that sounds yeah i get it i think you know thanks for sharing that i think it's a beautiful place for us to draw the conversation to a close really um is there anything else that you wanted to share or say that we haven't we haven't touched on before we finish i don't think so i did make it let me just quickly check my tips i did kind of just see 
Um, okay, can I just, just say a few? Just cause, yeah, do it. Okay. Make sure, as a coach, make sure you charge. <laughs> it's very important. This is great. Um, this is like yeah. this is like Katrina's shortcut to coaching success. No, oh no, please not. Like this is not my this is not my advice. I think I'm making it sound advisory. Yeah. So these are just what I've found has been helpful in my career. So it might not work for Perfect. you, but it might work. There we go. I've done yeah, my good disclaimer. coach framing, right? That's like what you have to say to make a suggestion in coaching. <laughs> well, you do uh, this might be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, great. Own, Go on. My own Hit personal experience, it's been very important to charge. So, and then to, you know, increase that as you feel comfortable to. Um, also, to be really aware of your finances. So to understand, you know, where, to actually kind of like think through, if you have X number of clients at this rate, what is that going to look like? Because um, you might be you might be a bit shocked that actually it's not that much, you know, initially. And so where are you going to get the rest of your money to A, live on and ideally have a bit of spare, you know, so you're not struggling because people can sense struggle, right? And so you'll be coming at your clients more from I need, I need the work rather than can I be of service? Um, so I remember Darren Robson at the Mo Foundation talking about a cash cow, have a cash cow. So whatever that is for you. You know, so whether you're coaching, I think you did this, didn't you? You know, you kind of build up the coaching days. Um, so, yeah, if, even if you're starting off just doing half a day of coaching a week or evenings in the week, whatever it is, but make sure you've got enough money coming in because otherwise it's just going to make the whole experience stressful. Um, not to say don't do it, but just build it up, I think, um, is important um, because I think then you're in integrity. Um, always learn <laughs> I know coaches love learning anyway but I think that's you know it's so important um I did some great you know why is that important to you um because I think coaching is such an experiential thing that you can lose it quite quickly um and so I think by just kind of learning kind of keeps you fresh but also it develops you further so for example I did some mental coaching last year with Ben Dooley um and it was just really great. It was part of kind of re, um, accrediting the ACC, the ACC. Um, but it was 12, 13 weeks and we had to have our, some of our coaching calls recorded and had feedback according to the ICF competencies. And it just really sharpened me up. And just even within that, you know, having, I think it was three of my calls recorded, you could just see how I was getting sharper each time. And so, um, yeah, and so, yeah. so it sounds like mental coaching is a part of the answer to this question, but yeah, what for, for people who, for, for any coach out there really because you are someone who loves learning and have done mm. loads of interest really interesting sounding we've touched on cti but there's loads of on that on that list what do you have recommendations of things or places that or types of training and development that that you really loved yeah i mean for me i actually was very lucky with both the the initial coach trainings i did and i think you know, if you want to become a coach, you have to do the kind of foundational stuff, right? Before you start playing around with the others. So for me, the Mo Foundation is wonderful. That's very much focused on um, change makers and um, young people who are, uh, are looking to to help make the world a better place, essentially. Um, but not just young people. Um, and then CTI was a really great foundation for me. I mean, I know there are lots of other schools and I've got great coaches that went to other schools as well. Um, I personally didn't go to a university to do my coaching diploma or whatever it is, a master's, um, because I knew I could do the academics. It was, but the, it was the experiential stuff for me that felt a push. So I'd say, but the thing is, this is just my opinion, you know, you know, and that was partly to do with confidence as well. So if you're feeling confident and you have enough behind you, 
you know, you don't need to do what I did. So I don't want people to feel like they have to. Yeah, but I I think I agree with you. Uh, I don't think people have to, but if you train with a thorough, grounded, thoughtful, uh, well thought out coach training organization, that will give you confidence and it will give you skill and it will give you technique um, and it will give you depth of coaching that you don't necessarily have without it. But of course, many people do. Um, Yeah, no, that's true. And I I do think um, as coaching, you know, the the kind of marketplace gets more and more crowded because technically anyone can turn around and say you're a life coach, right? You know, anyone can. And so to make yourself stand out, for me at least, feels important to have some solid training behind me and accreditations and things like that. And I know for certain companies, you know, to be an associate, you have to have, you know, minimum like ACC with the ICF. Now some of them are PCC with the ICF. You know, the the things are going higher. So. it depends what kind of work you want to do as well. Um, and, and just to, to go back to the question, so yeah. I know, of course, it's a decision for everyone. But other th- as the other than the the baseline, which I think yeah. we both agree on, is really powerful and useful. Mm. What's been the best bit of prof- continual professional development that you've done? I'm just looking at my my little list. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I might stick that list on the, if you don't mind, on the yeah, yeah, yeah. notes for the show because I think it, even just then it gives people a place to Google. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I mean, they, in a way, they will have their place. So Robert Holden, who you mentioned, he did um, coaching in the Enneagram. It was just a one-week course, and I have to say, it's the one I felt most challenged by because I, I just didn't like who I, a, I didn't come out with an exact type as to what type I was on the Enneagram, which is a, a kind of type of. Um, essentially like a personality typing but it's, it's a bit deeper than that um and what's interesting is that there are nine types and you can be operating as a healthy average or unhealthy level and I think I was probably average to unhealthy I just moved back from New York and stuff and so I didn't like that type I was like yeah. I'm trying to get away from that type not realizing that actually a healthy person in that type is brilliant and actually i'm not gonna say which one it is but like robert holden's the same and i, I remember going up to him at the end and it's like i'm not sure about all this quite frankly and he's like just have a look at this type and i was like okay <laughs> so that was quite you know it's quite good sometimes to go to trainings where you're like i'm not a convert you know but actually and i didn't use it for many years but i started using it last year as part of all my packages and i love it and my clients love it and it provides a real depth as to not just what the behavior that you're showing is, but what's beneath that. What's, what's the driver beneath why you're being like that. So yeah, that's been a nice story. Um, something I would like to do more of. I did, um, the kind of first I did, um, uh, it's called organization and relationship systems at work, which is a, I think a two day, um, training with CRR global. And they focus, they put, uh, offer something called ORSC, which is um, looking at systems coaching. And it's very similar setup to CTI. So you can do it, I think, over a year and get certified. And that's working with groups of people or couples. So it could be kind of relationship coaching or group coaching within companies, for example. That's something that is on my list to do in the next few years. Um, and then I, I enjoyed the firework career coach training. I find that I don't you, you go through a, a kind of um, program with them. I, t- I tend to cherry pick things from it, depending on where people are at. But um, I do see a lot of value in that. Um, and then, yeah, I did something called narrative coaching last year, um, which was, again, really nice in a way of thinking about coaching. So rather than the kind of rel- railway of like A to B, it's kind of thinking of it like more like a lotus flower and letting things emerge. And 
um, you know, very much kind of challenging the stories we all live in. So it's, um, that was, I, I liked the vibe of that one. And I had a, a great peer buddy called um, Anne Farrell, who, who lives in the States as a corporate coach. And she's, she's a lovely, lovely person to have in my kind of uh, group of coaches, friends mm. now, I guess. So there's been a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I had a great, I had a great Enneagram moment with Robert Holden as well. Where I'd Did been you? Like, yeah, because I come out on, I tend to, on psychometric tests, I tend to often hit like the dead center between all of them and come out as nothing. And um, I just, we, he just led a meditation. I recommend going to a Robert Holden workshop if, if for anyone, if they're there. He's a beautiful coach, lovely man, very funny. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like, I just had, we'd done this meditation and the word that had come out for me was trust. Mm. And then we got down to type whatever it is, the loyalist one, which is the one I kind of thought Ooh, I might be. And it yeah. says, the story of trust in massive letters across the top of his slide. And I'm like, right. oh, okay, I probably have that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, at some point I want to dig more into that because I think it's yeah. a really interesting, really interesting tool. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you why. So I'm an achiever, so it's type three. Okay. And, and for me to, to grow and develop, I need to become you. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Well, I am very cool, Katrina. Yeah, exactly. So it's about, um, yeah it's about putting the attention rather than on myself. It's about other people, you know? And, and so that is, and, and so that's what coaching gives me, you know, that that's a way to put, take away. It's not about me. It's actually about other people. And um, what's nice is now when I do the test again, like that and the loyalist now come up equals. So whereas before the loyalist is really low down. <laughs> nice. What else is on your list, Christina? Oh, my tips. I've lost yeah, my tips. Yeah. Sorry. It's literally on a piece of scrap of paper. Um, okay. And uh, da, 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 da. Okay, I've done that. I remember Camilla telling me to keep going for the first four years. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. And I've, I've had that four years really in my mind. Now, admittedly, I've had some maternity leaves on, you know, over that period of time. Um, but for me, that was really, really helpful, especially in the first couple of years, because essentially, you know, a lot of people that do coach training don't aren't able to make it a business and don't keep going. Um, and I feel that when I've had moments of just being like, oh, this is ridiculous, it's not going to work, let's just quit and get a proper job. <laughs> um, that's, it's almost like a goal to but, keep going. But also I think it's like, you know, people who are starting businesses are often given advice, you know, k- k- budget for the first five years, except yeah. that you, you're investing in that time. And I remember uh, this guy who used to run a wine shop, in, probably still does, it's called Chevin in Otley in West Yorkshire. He and I once had a conversation and he said, he'd planned for five years and it had taken him seven years. And we were talking about how many businesses yeah. like fell away every year in this little market town. Yeah. And it's like, well, they, are, you know, they didn't know, unfortunately, that it sometimes takes years to get to the place that you want. I think we're quite lucky that the costs of being a coach yes, are quite yeah. low. Yes, they are. So that yeah. you're not, you don't have to have that capital that some people do, but you do have to invest time, energy, money, making less money than you could otherwise. Yep. And, and enough to live on, you know? So, um, that's, I guess, going back to that point about, you know, the cash cow and like making sure that you have whatever, however you get that money, but it, that there's stuff behind you. Yeah. How did you, like, how did you know that you wanted to make that commitment to four years? Cause I think sometimes it's mm. like when people make that commitment to coaching, yeah. that's one of the important stages you have to go through to say, I'm in this for the long term, so that you can look at the longer term picture and, and have it all, but not right now. And all those things. I think for me, I was quite lucky in that I knew I wanted kids. Um, so it's perhaps a, a time in life thing. Um, you know, prior to that, I always quit my jobs after two and a half years or yeah. roughly like two, two and a half to three years. But, you know, I kind of, 
I wasn't a sticker. Um, so, but I knew that I wanted, I really did want to have children. I knew that this was one way, this was one career that could allow that, that I could kind of dial up, dial down. So I think that's what drove me to, you know, to keep going with it. And I also knew, I still know, I mean, what's nice about it, the, the disadvantage is you don't get these job titles, you get your accreditations, which can get higher and higher. But beyond that, you know, once I've got my PCC, the MCC is like years and years and years of coaching. So like, yeah. kind of, I'm kind of losing that as a thing to, to drive myself towards. Um, but what is nice about coaching is that, you know, you can keep, there's just, you can never stop developing. There's always going to be more you can do and learn and, um, and clients will teach you so much stuff. You know, that's, that's half the work. It's like, you just, you learn so much yourself from your clients. So that keeps me going as well. So it's not like it's, it's never going to get old. I don't think, you know, I'm sure I'll express it in different ways and do some other things, you know, on the side or whatever differently. But as a concept, I think it's a really nice way of kind of working. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else on the list? There's one last thing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's more. Um, but yeah. Um, I think it's really, well, we kind of talked about this root, roots idea and having family and friends around you. I mean, and not everyone has that, you know, not everyone has a family around them or lots of friends, but if you don't, something I think is important if you are not just setting out as a coach, but even now for me now, um, is creating a community around you of people that are really interested in this kind of work. Um, so, so that you're also not putting onto someone like, you know, that, so for example, like my husband doesn't need to be an expert in coaching or understanding what I do even. Um, he's, he's interested and he wants to support me and he cares about me, but I can get more coaching chat, as it were, from a fellow coach. Um, for me, the Mo Foundation has been a really great source for that. Um, they've got, it's just a lovely community of very diverse, different people, different ages and backgrounds. Um, that's been really helpful. Um, CTI have, have a great alumni page on Facebook um, where people ask questions um, like every day there's like five or six different questions around the world um, that helps you know just things like that um, I just have phone calls with like you know you and I go for coffee from time to time you know um, just if people haven't through their training found one that feels right for them what suggestions would you have so I guess um you, know, you can look at even things like if you're interested in business coaching, for example, like W Bex um, is something, you know, that I think has quite a good community. Apparently um, there's things like, I think there's a London coaching group. That's kind of not, you don't have to be from a certain school. They do events. Um, so you don't have to, cause I mean, I guess some of my events I'm thinking of are kind of could be ICF related, but if you're not, well, you could, that's another thing. You just join one of the coaching bodies. You don't have to be accredited by them, but you could join. Um, I think you can even go to some of, the, of their events as a non-member, but you would just need to pay more. Um, so I think, you know, there are ways around, around this. I'm sure there are even like Eventbrite type stuff, you know, you can go to. So I think it's about just thinking about where you live, what you're interested in, you know, what kind of people you're keen to meet. And then just a lot of Google <laughs> you know? yeah. and just, just find it. Cause you only need to meet one person and then that, that can all get in, opened up to you. you know? Yeah. And just as a final one, actually, um, going back to that networking that you learned to do. Yeah. Because some people hate that. 
And this, I don't think you have to do it as a coach in the way that people think, but it is useful. And what you're talking about now involves the bit of it that is really useful. You know, you have to go to some stuff. If you want to create a community and if you want to connect with people, it's useful to go to some stuff and connect with some people there. Do you have what, like, what were the most useful, what was the most useful one or two things that you learned about networking that you feel has really mm. served you? Well, so I want to caveat that I don't actually, when I say, when I say networking, what I mean probably more is connecting. Um, so I, so it's a great distinction. Yeah, it is a distinction. Perhaps I've been using that word networking wrong, but nonetheless, I, I have done some networking in my time. Um, I don't do so much of it now, but for example, actually I went to an interesting event by HubDot, um, H-U-B-D-O-T on Wednesday, which is about, um, reimagining reinvention was on. And what's nice about them is they, rather than having job titles and stuff, they have this idea of dots. So you have a different colored dot depending on where you're at in your story. So if you're established and you want to offer help, you know, you're, you're red. If you want inspiration, you're a yellow. I'm slightly making this up. Yeah. But, you know, what's, what's nice is, you know, they gave some rules for networking on Wednesday. I thought it was quite, they're quite nice rules, you know, that no one's excluded. Now, obviously you can feel excluded, but um, I do like the idea of like saying to someone, you know, so, so what's your story, you know, rather than what do you do? Because especially as coaches, it's such a difficult thing to explain. Well, and yeah, like what do you say when people ask you that? <laughs> oh God, you see, that's the thing. I, I make a slight joke of it because I just say, um, I'm a coach, not a sports coach, I might add. And then, if, and then you can kind of tell if people A, understand what you're talking about or B, are interested in learning more. Because some people just aren't and like you can't force it down them. But if they show interest, then I might, you know, start you know, saying that I, uh, I do leadership and life coaching and but, you know, and then if they seem interested, then <laughs> I might tell them a bit more about what leadership, what kind of people I work with and what the life stuff looks like. But yeah, I think it's about really just judging someone as to how much information they really want to hear about your job um, because they might just be being polite and might not care at all. So I think it's very easy as a coach to get very enthusiastic. And yeah. but, you, but you, also have, you also have to not assume that people aren't interested. True. Yes. Because that's true. sometimes they are, and our own insecurities mean that we think that we just mumble the word coach and then quickly start asking them questions. Because yeah, well, what, something that a friend of mine does, um, which is quite nice, is you know use a, a coaching technique. You say you know if if someone expresses a little bit of interest, you know, um, you like so you know if you were to rate you know how you you know how you are in life right now out of ten, one being not great, ten being brilliant, you know where are you right now, you know, and where might you want to be you know, say in a month's time and what, what's something you could do to help that. So you're not making it as big kind of life thing, but it's just kind of giving a subtle hint of something you might possibly do in coaching. Um, I think it helps people understand a little bit more about what on earth we're talking about. Because I think, unfortunately, you kind of have to experience coaching to really get it as a client, which is why I say in my um, chemistry sessions, I, you know, I do do a part of that as a coaching you know, uh, session. Uh, to see if we get on and to see if that's the kind of um, work that's going to help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Trina, thanks so much. I love that I was like bringing it to a close and then you've just given us this massive oh, extra added value. <laughs> no, it's just I, I the, pe the people that's who are like, oh, I'll just, I'll just listen for the extra five minutes. The last bit have just luckily got for themselves this great, great download of really useful practical things. So look, thanks so much for that. Thanks My so pleasure. much for answering the call of the universe to be a bit more visible <laughs> and seen. It's been such yeah. a great... Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've stopped worrying about that, really. It feels too, I know. It feels too true to me these days. To, yeah. Uh, most yeah. of the time. And it's, it's a fun frame, even no. if it's not true. It's a fun frame. It's exactly. a useful frame to use. Um, yeah. 
yeah, we'll put links to everyone you've mentioned and the trainings and all that kind of stuff on the on the website, uh, coachesjourney.com. And yeah, look, it's, thanks so much. There's been so much useful stuff in, in this conversation and, and such a pleasure to have it. And yeah, until next time. Thank you, Robbie.